Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's great to be here, Dan. All right, Chris, uh, good to have you back. Um, it's been a pretty slow month, so we held off for a couple weeks and then some travel, year-end wrap-up business. So um, we've got a few questions to, to track you down here for over the last uh, last month or so. Um, and wanted to start off with, with something that, that took place yesterday. Um, so yesterday, you know, we saw about $850 billion of notional value um, in S&P 500 calls were purchased. Um, and, you know, we're seeing this take place during a period of, of seasonal, seasonally positive um, flows, which, you know, usually takes place through about mid-January. Um, just, you know, as we're looking at this from the outside, you know, what does this sound like to you? This this sound like performance chasing at all? It, it definitely is going to trigger a lot of performance chasing. Uh, you just can't understate the magnitude of the call buying yesterday. Um, it easily set records, and then it sets us up. We have option expiry and on Friday to the tune of three trillion plus which is a trillion more than we've ever had so huge volume coming in in a period when there's already seasonally positive flows with very little natural liquidity so flows positive flows typically move the market higher now through like as you said about the middle of January and then when you have that much call buying, that then forces the dealer community to kind of purchase in size. So, you know, the, the positioning is now max long. What will be interesting is how does that play out next week? Because everybody's got to buy and everybody's long into expiry and very large volume. And then those options expire and that positioning goes away. Uh, but there's no question that it's going to create anxiety. Um, it did it with a, a, a huge downdraft on a daily basis in, in yield, so it does get to create a narrative that people can latch on to and, and performance chase. And none of this is really surprising. I mean, we saw yesterday, you know, the Russell 2000 value was up, you know, close to 4%, um, led by banks, and the market was really led by the highest beta, most shorted liquid, most shorted uh, stocks, profitless tech, uh, uh, Bitcoin derivatives, which is just a clear indication of I got to get long. I got to cover my shorts. I got to get long. I need to buy beta and buy momentum. So um, it's, you know, unfortunately, the way we've financialized our economy, this is not unusual for the U.S. market. Uh, and, and you see that when you look around the rest of the world, a fairly muted response relative to what we witnessed here in the U.S. But, yeah, no, it, it definitely it definitely provides some performance anxiety and some fun. You know, it, when you get this kind of movement, there's opportunities to sell stocks into the strength. Uh, there's opportunities to uh, take advantage of both upside and downside volatility. Four percent days. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Good, we do sure. a week of it. <laughs> yeah, be annualizing at all-time records. Exactly. Um, all right, a couple questions on just uh, some things to think forward to here. Um, you know, one of which is, is, is going to be around the Fed and, and rates. So, you know, by all indications at this point, it, it appears the Fed's you know prepared to um, cut some rates in, in 2024. Um, are you in this camp? Uh, and then, you know, do you think that the Fed cutting rates um, that will reaccelerate the economy? You know, it, it's interesting. So, I, I think it's important market observers when they look at what's happening with interest rates to understand that rate volatility is elevated and it's elevated because there's not a lot of liquidity 
<clears throat> so we get exaggerated moves higher and exaggerated moves lower. The other part of it, just like a lot of curves, when you look out at the futures, it's not necessarily saying that, hey, the Fed's going to cut, I think as of this morning, 150 basis points in 2024, whereas the Fed kind of hinted that they, you know, through the dot plot that, hey, we may cut 75. I, I don't want to interpret it that way. I think what you should interpret is, hey, for now, we think the hiking cycle's over. Um, and depending on the development within the economy and the development with inflation generally, uh, you know, we may, we may cut rates. Um, and if it reaccelerates, we may raise rates. And clearly the Fed, as is always the case, follows the market. The market raised rates and then the Fed followed. The market's going to cut rates and then the, Fed, the Fed's going to follow. I think you got to also think about what are the preconditions that would force the Fed to cut rates dramatically. And certainly inflation is bottoming now around three to three and a half percent. So if they stayed at five and a half, uh, depending on labor conditions, that could be a, a relatively tight uh, financial condition. That said, we've had a massive easing in financial conditions just in the last six to eight weeks with the move higher in the market and the move lower in rates and even a little bit of, of spread tightening. So I think it's going to take a decent amount of economic weakness, primarily labor weakness, to get the Fed to cut beyond where rates are currently. So if the 10-year is flirting with 4%, do I think the two-year is going to get to three, three and a half? I don't know. I think it's going to take a decent chunk of weakness to really get us there. And right now, that's not what leading indicators are pointing to. They're pointing to near-term weakness for sure, um, and near-term being December in the first quarter and, and in part of the second quarter. From an inflation standpoint, we're seeing firming. These easing of financial conditions actually put upward pressure on portions of the, of the CPI basket. The primary downward pressure is going to be on owner's equivalent rent, just based on the mechanics of the calculations. I think we're going to be in this tug of war next year. So the, the, the market can't get too far ahead of itself. Yeah, we're going to ease conditions we have. Have we already done it sufficiently? that we've pulled the returns forward. We're just going to have to wait and see and see how it plays out. Good deal. Um, and, you know, as we're wrapping up 2023 and looking to 2024, if we touched on rates, um, then I don't think we could quite leave everyone without a question on inflation. So do um, you think we've, we've finally settled or you think we're close to settling in with inflation? Um, does a more stable inflationary environment, does that quell investor concerns? Look, I, and if in, when you look at inflation, it, there's no question that it's come down materially. And we're going to see real easing in the core components as we move forward next year, not the ones the Fed focuses on, but the ones that households do. So disinflationary conditions within food, right? Um, at least uh, stabilization with within energy products. And we're going to see some easing. We're already seeing it, some easing in, in rents in different areas. So the consumer should be feeling better about the direction of inflation. 
I think we're going to get to 3% relatively easily. Whether we continue down and reach the 2% target or the Fed gives up on its 2% target or we reaccelerate, I think is really going to hinge on the interplay between the Treasury and federal spending and really what the rest of the world does. Because I think we're going to start moving the marginal pressure or the cause of the marginal pressure for upside inflation or downward pressure on inflation is going to emanate out of currency movements. And there's just a lot going on in the currency markets. Um, and so, you know, I, I think one thing that investors really need to pay attention to, they can't do anything about it, but you need to watch the Bank of Japan. And if the Bank of Japan moves forward with normalizing rates in a way that changes capital flows, it's going to have major disruptions to credit markets in the U.S. Uh, and potentially to equity markets. And so there's just a lot of, of shifts behind the scenes that could influence inflation. And we need to keep an eye out. But right now, inflation's coming down. That's not going to be the primary issue. The primary issue, first and foremost, is going to be growth earnings and any developing weakness in employment and certainly developing issues around credit. And then from the Fed's perspective, they're going to step back and watch those economic developments and ask themselves, hey, did, are these easing financial conditions over the last eight weeks, uh, is it too much? Or no, it's directionally correct, and we can follow it with some rate cuts. So uh, certainly inflation from a, a, a primary factor in investor minds and in consumer minds, I think, is going to recede. All right, uh, last one. So here we are, uh, halfway through December. Year's almost wrapped up, and the S&P, we're up 25% which, you know, at the beginning of the year, it would have been a, an absolute shock, I think, to most folks. Um, and we're, we're now reapproaching all-time highs again. You know, I, I guess the, the final question here is, you know, how, just how, how, how surprising is this to you? I don't, I don't view it as surprising. And so, you know, we've talked about we're in a multi-year rebalancing, right? And we're trying to get the balance right between developing a path for economic growth that doesn't create excess inflation and also doesn't crowd out the private sector from um, a rate and cost of capital standpoint. And so we've had the ebb and flows of that for the last two years. And so, yes, it feels good that we've had a rally in risk assets and the S&Ps, you know, within a, a couple of percent from an all-time high. But if you look back, that means you're flat for two years and inflation has been running double digits. So from a real basis, you've lost a lot of wealth. You really haven't made any money. And this is very indicative of, go back and look at prior decades where we've had a regime shift in inflation or a multi-year rebalancing between the cost of capital, the growth drivers, and the inflationary conditions. And you get deep sell-offs like we've experienced, then you get really sharp rallies and then you sell off and then you rally and it's this seesawing as you move through and reprice and develop new underlying uh, fundamental drivers. So am I surprised? No. Um, have we pulled some of next year's returns forward? Potentially. Are, is there excessive valuations? Not really. I mean, I, 
I think when you look at it, um, the S&P's price to give you low to mid single digit returns, the U.S. 10 years at 4%, you know, small caps that have borne the brunt of the rising cost of capital are sitting here trading at, you know, low, low teen forward multiples. Um, we're very much in this kind of mid, mid single digit return world, which, so what would surprise me is now that we've, we've, we're coming back to these all time highs, it, are we going to have a big up year um, in 24 without the Fed either cutting rates or terminating QT or adding QE. Like I, I think all we, we, we went down a lot, we've come up a lot, we haven't gone anywhere in two years, and we've had double digit inflation cumulate over that time period. So eh, it's surprising, no, but um, uh, interesting nonetheless. All right, good. Well, let's put a wrap on it for there. So uh, thank you, Chris. And um, well, we'll see you again here when we see you soon, hopefully. Sounds good, Great. man. Thanks. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws. Securities discussed within this podcast may be held in the Von Nelson strategies.